In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today, the Word of God is absolutely delightful. The stories that we listen to in the Scripture are all about hospitality, of being able to welcome others. We, the first reading that we listen to from Genesis is a, a wonderful reading. We know that Abraham was called by God. He called to Abraham and Sarah to leave their land and to journey to a land that the Lord would give them. And the Lord promised to be with them and make this, their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands of grain on the seashore. And we remember that Abraham trusted and believed. Even though he was very advanced in years, he went forth on this journey trusting in God. But like many things for Abraham and Sarah and for us, God's time is not our time. And the days and the years seem to drift by, and the promise that once was spoken seemed to become more and more impossible. But Abraham continued to have faith, continued to believe, and here in the heat of the day, while they're sitting at their, in their tent, they see these three heavenly people coming forth, and Abraham runs to greet them. Some call them the angels. Some say it's the Holy Trinity. We know that they were gifts from God, messengers of God. So Abraham runs forth like a child at Christmas morning and begs them to stay. Please stay, find some shade under this tree and have something to eat. And then he runs and he says to Sarah, quick, the choicest flour, make some breads and some cakes. And he runs and grabs one of the, the best calves and brings it forth and asks it to be prepared. And then he himself joins in the preparation to serve the three holy people. And then as they eat, they say, where is Sarah? She's in the tent. He says, well, this time next year, she will have a child. Wow. What a difference it made for Abraham and Sarah to trust in God and to be able to leave and go on a journey, to become migrants into a foreign land. What wisdom it is of Abraham to welcome the visitors. Had he not welcomed them, perhaps he would not have received the blessing. We look at today's gospel. It's uh, a wonderful gospel from Luke. And if you've had the chance to get to the Holy Land, one of the wonderful things is to realize to go to Azaria, or that's what the, the uh, Palestinian name of the neighborhood is, where Martha and Mary live. And it's wonderful because it's just right outside of Jerusalem. And you can see as we listen to the scriptures and we see how often Jesus was faithful to going and to worship and to keeping Passover, that how many times he must have gone to his friends' homes, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, 
We see that they were very close. When Lazarus dies, Jesus weeps. And the Martha and Mary are comfortable enough with Jesus to be able to speak very frankly with him, like you would with a good friend. And so we see that Martha and Mary were people of hospitality. They welcomed Jesus, and Jesus also traveled with that whole crowd, so it must not have been easy. He had to welcome all of them. And so we look and we see that the sense of hospitality was essential for Jesus. He received it graciously. And we look and we see in the scriptures, it says that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And because she was distracted, she wasn't listening to what Jesus was saying. She was worried about her production, her hospitality, um, all the details, her food, her cooking, her house cleaning. And she was aggravated with her sister because her sister wasn't helping. But the scripture makes it clear that Martha was distracted. And then when Jesus even uh, speaks to her, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. The distractions are true for Martha, but it's also true for you and me. Don't we often get distracted and pay attention to the things that are, are um, very trivial and then neglect sometimes the things that are very important and serious? I know that I get distracted often. I think it's a common, um, it's a common trap that we often fall into. Our world is distracted right now with the issues of migrants, with the issue of welcoming the stranger. You know, one of the things that we have all learned and we take great pride in when we were taught the importance of the beauty of this country was, man, our teachers did a great job talking about how America is the home of the free and how they talking about our ancestors and how they, they fled persecution and they fled troubles to be able to come to the land of the free. Some trying to worship and have freedom of religion, others because they were under tyrants, others because they were under famines, others because they were in the midst of war and they were refugees. And we look and we see how we've taken such pride in our sense as a country to be a place that is open. I remember my high school teachers emphasizing how wonderful America was because we weren't like other countries that had, um, that had we had free borders, that we didn't have secured borders. And they oftentimes pointed out to the countries that were walled off, like East Berlin and West Berlin, or the, uh, the places that throughout where the, you couldn't pass from one to the other. And there was a great sense of pride that America wasn't like that. But fear does, it, it messes with everyone. Fear messes with all people everywhere. And whenever we become overwhelmed, people look for simple solutions. Jesus didn't do that. 
Jesus never looked for simple solutions. He looked for the loving solution. So when we look and we see problems with people fleeing war, we have to work to reduce war. We got to look to see that in our country we've become a very uh, warlike people, that we have been in wars for, for many years, and we have our troops throughout in many countries. And while we need to have a strong military, we need to be people who work always for peace and not for war. And when we look and see that, that when there's people who have to flee from war, it puts a great stress. And we see that with all the Syrian refugees that have fled, or the African refugees that have fled, or the people that continue to flee from so many conflicts. And they try to find a peaceful place to be. Who would blame them? Who would blame them? And who would not help them? Can you imagine Jesus saying, go back to where you belong? So if it's people fleeing for war, or if it's people fleeing because of, uh, of neglect, they can't feed their families. So when you look at countries that have great poverty and they don't have clean drinking water, which one of us in our church, if that was our situation, wouldn't pack up our children in our cars and go find a place that they could be, have what they need? All of us would. And when we look and see people fleeing from Latin America and the very violent, violent drug cartels that are there, you realize that you know, one of the things that I, I've traveled to Latin America so many times, and I always think that, you know, it must be very lonely for folks who come from Latin America to America, because in America, we kind of stay locked up in our houses a lot. When you go down to Latin America, it's a very uh, communal culture. Everyone's out and walking around and interacting. And I always think about, you wouldn't want to leave your country unless you were in poverty, unless you were in a situation where your family was threatened. And so the readings today challenge us to be people, to have the eyes of Christ, to be able to look at situations and not look for easy answers. I want to challenge our church that we have a crazy week coming up at Camp Abel, but after Camp Abel, I think we have to roll up our sleeves and get to work and use our voices. Our country is still separating families, children from their parents, and, and separating them as if it was something you read about in the days of the Nazis. America is doing this. Our country. We see that just this past week there was a group of, um, of Catholics that joined in the Senate office building and they formed a cross on the floor and they held pictures of the children, they held pictures of the children that were killed 
in the detention uh, places. And it was amazing because after they were all arrested and carried out, they had the pictures of the photos that were just left in the grandiose building of the Senate office building. And here are the, the children's photos scattered as the photographer took this picture from the balconies. We have to work to use our voices to say that this country cannot separate children from their parents and that it is wrong. We have to use our voices to say that having people in detention centers without toothbrushes, or without proper um, supplies to care for them is wrong. We have to use our voices to be able to say, how can we work for greater justice in the world to try to help people to find solutions? What are the ways that we can pray for a better outlook in this world? I know one thing is that I'm gonna be ashamed of myself if in this time passes and I look back and say, I remain silent. I don't think we can. And I think together we could have a great voice. I commend the Parkers who are teaching religion right now that they have just recently um, decided they to print some yard signs and they printed in Spanish and in English and in Arabic. And I forget the exact wording of the signs but the word in the signs say that whoever you are and wherever you come from, we are happy to have you as our neighbors. And they do that on their own and they invite others to, to buy a sign and put it in your yard. I'm gonna buy some and put it in my yard because I think it's a beautiful gesture. If that's alone what we do, how beautiful is that? But I think we could do more by writing to our elected officials by speaking in a collective name of this church, by trying to make sure that our wonderful country, our beautiful land, continues to operate in a way of justice for all people. Now, I'm not saying that we need to just simply do away with any border controls or let anyone in. No one's advocating that. But what I am advocating is to say that to just simply shut the doors, or to treat people in an inhumane way, or to look for simple answers is not the way of Christ. I close with the reading that Dorothy Rose read so beautifully from Colossians. There's one line in that that says that he himself, Jesus, is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Isn't that a beautiful line? In Jesus, all things hold together. So if we, if you translate the word Jesus and use it equal to love, and love, all things hold together. In Jesus, all things hold together and exclusion brings division. Division brings unrest. Unrest creates a multitude of sins. Amen.